welcome to the Stadium Sports Show. I'm Robert Jeffrey, joined here by Sean Beanie. Sean, it's been a little bit. It's been a while. Yes, it has. Uh, we had some vacations. We had some uh, busyness in our real professional non-podcasting lives. And, uh, you know, just, just life sometimes. You know how it is. But we're back at it. And, uh, you know, it might have been a, little, a good time to get a little bit of a break. There's a little bit of a lull in some of the action. But uh, we got a lot going on now, don't we? Was able to, you know, we got had a nice little vacation here and there, some golf. And the weather was good, so yes. But now we are back. As you said, we got a lot of sports stuff going on, a lot of action out there, NBA finals, you know, baseball's in full swing, Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh, one thing that kicked off last night was the NFL draft. It's going to carry on through this weekend. It's going to be beautiful. So, Sean... What were some things last night that uh, you saw that were a little surprising, a little bit of a head scratcher per se, or otherwise, what were some of your reactions from last night? Well, I think overall the draft went about as expected for the most part. I mean, Will Levis didn't didn't get drafted, which was a little surprising. Um, but other than that, I, I I don't think that there were too many you know shockers. Like you know, none of it when you know. No Johnny Manziel dropping 25 picks or whatever uh, it was back a couple of years ago. It was a shocker to everybody. So no, nothing that was really too alarming. Um, but there were some head-scratching picks. Um, the the one that, that I was really kind of uh, unsure about, I was trying to figure out the logic behind this, was the Atlanta Falcons drafting Bijan Robinson, for uh, the running back from Texas with the number eight overall pick. The Atlanta Falcons had the had a, a pretty good rushing uh, offense last year. Uh, it was, they had a dual threat of Tyler Algier and um, and Cordero Patterson, uh, good for sixth overall in the league in rushing yards. Uh, I'm I'm not too sure the logic behind drafting Bijan. Oh, I'm sorry, it was not. It was uh, they were third overall in the league um, in, in in rushing yards per game with 159.9. So uh, they had one of the best rushing offenses in, in in all of the NFL last year. So to draft another running back when you already have a dual threat in those two, plus a running quarterback in Marcus Mariota, I just had I wasn't sure what they're doing unless they're looking to trade somebody or draft some uh, some trade uh, some trade bait. That was the one that really struck me. Uh, well, what stood out to you? So what really stood out to me was um, going all, all the way up until you know draft night. Uh, Indianapolis Colts they obviously need a quarterback. Uh, They've have been very unsuccessful and they had the they had the number four pick last night. Um, I, I'm not I'm not upset that they went with Anthony Richardson, actually kind of relieved, especially when you see all of these teams pass on Will Levis last night. Because in Mile Kuyper Jr., uh, his draft, they had him to- taken as the number four pick. Um, I guess that's what you get for a guy that puts mayonnaise in his coffee and eats bananas with the peels on. Uh, I guess he's just going to slide. 
if anyone didn't know that will levis does do that both of those actions most surprising thing ever but um, that part of that's because the Texans wanted to get who they needed right away. They needed defensive help and they needed a quarterback and they took both of those right away. Um, really glad the Texans made a, a really aggressive move. They needed to do that. Their franchise needs that. And, um, you know, a lot of people were like shocked. They said, why are the Texans giving up so much? You have to remember the Texans tactfully got those picks most of them were from Cleveland in the Deshaun Watson trade. So they didn't really have to spend too much to improve their team immensely. So um, overall, those, those are really my takeaways is Will Levis um, dropping. Glad the Colts were able to get Anthony Richardson. He's got immense upside, uh, played at, the, at Florida. Um, really, bit, really bit more of a dual quarterback, a dual threat quarterback, which is something the Colts have not had. And it's going to be really good to see that when he supplements Jonathan Taylor um, on the run game. Yeah, you know, I, I thought it was kind of funny. Jim Ursay actually tweeted, uh, I don't know if joking or not, but um, about th asking thoughts about taking Will Levis with the number two pick of the, uh, the second round. Uh, that would be kind of interesting since they already just drafted a quarterback. He related it to... Uh, Steve Young and Joe Montana, but I think he kind of forgot that Steve Young wasn't drafted by the 49ers. Drafted by the Buffalo. True. <laughs> um, you know, I thought I thought also that the Buffalo Bills made a really good move drafting tight end Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. I think he's going to be a really good um, a, a support to Dawson Knox. Give Josh Allen another big target offer some help in the blocking game, which we saw the, the Bills offensive line could be absolutely putrid at times last year. Um, so I think that is, that's an underrated pick that, um, that, that is one of the better ones of the night. Um, you know, everybody's, you know, raving about the Philadelphia Eagles draft, drafting uh, Nolan Smith, uh, edge rusher out of Georgia, and um, who was the other guy they drafted? Jalen oh, Carter. They, that's what it was. Yeah, so there everybody's saying everybody's saying they won the draft, and they very well could have. But um, but I really wanted to highlight. Yeah, I think the the Bills really made an under the radar move that I think weren't, was really good, and I was really scratching my head at that Atlanta Falcons, um, one of the worst defenses in the league last year. You'd think they'd go for a defensive player, but you know. Decided to go with another running back. We'll see how it works out for him. You know, naturally, the news of the night is Bryce Young going number one overall to the Carolina Panthers. It's been an organization that's really been in purgatory um, for the last several years, especially when it comes to quarterback play. Bryce joins Cam Newton as the only number one pick quarterbacks that the Carolina Panthers have ever drafted. So it'll be interesting to see his growth this year. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see how the rest of the quarterbacks, who ESPN, Dan Orlovsky, have said the, the top quarterbacks taken all have the ability to be a potential stars in the league. Um, it just depends on how they progress and how the coaching staff that they go to um, treats them. But, Sean, we'll, uh, we're, we're going to pivot on over here. going to pivot. A lot of news coming out of Las Vegas. 
Las Vegas, the city that seemingly never sleeps, and Sin City, they might be they're they're paving the way to be a very popular sports town. Um, with all of that, uh, with the announced move of the Oakland Athletics moving to Las Vegas. Oakland really dropped the ball on this. I mean, they, they it's kind of sad. I mean, you just, you know, you think about the, the old days, the Oakland A's, and it's just sad that a city just doesn't care about a professional team, especially one that's had the history of the athletics. I mean, dating back to Kansas City and Philadelphia, it's it's just sad that they that they couldn't get their act together and i mean this but i i think you know if, if you're the a's this is a move you have to make um for those of you who don't who are, who are a little behind the eight ball here you know living under a rock the oakland a's uh bought 46 uh acres of land in las vegas in a binding agreement which is expected and presumed to be for a stadium um, because there's been a lot of talk about uh, a potential move to Vegas, which the MLB is as outrightly supported um, because Oakland as a city is, is just not doing what is expected of them to support their team. Uh, I mean, that that stadium, I heard a story actually the other day that the Mets broadcasters, um, the legendary uh, Gary Cohen and Ron Darling, they went to broadcast it in Oakland and they actually had to move their broadcast booth because it reeked so bad of possum shit. They've got they've got a possum taking in they've got a like a, a seriously Sean and I are not exaggerating. This is they 100% had to call factual. an exterminator in, and the exterminator couldn't even identify where it was all coming from. It, and it was like, so bad they couldn't even breathe in the booth. They had to be moved to a different. It was almost like a closet. Yes, they there's a there's been a mother possum living in the visiting um, broadcast booth since like September. And it, and it will stadium aside. I mean, we've known that that stadium has been, you, you know, in, in, inhabitable for a, a major league team for several years now. Um, but aside from that, the actual on-field product that Oakland is putting out is a disgrace. This could be the worst baseball team I have ever seen, not only in my lifetime, but in the history of baseball. I mean, this is bad. This is bad. They're on track to lose like 120 games this year. Will that happen? No. But, I mean, it is, it, it, it's unbelievable how bad they are. So one thing I got to say about this, I'm really excited. You know, ultimately this, this falls on, this falls as a failure on the city of Oakland to not be able to not retain 
not one, not two, but three franchises in literally the last decade. Golden State is gone. They are not. They are not in Oakland. They have. Been, they are in San Francisco. They're on the opposite side of the bridge. But if you're Oakland, Oakland you got to think that you, you, it, 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 the way that Oakland sees it, I don't think that they see it as a loss because I think that they see that yes, they do lose a lot of the revenue off of it, but they're not losing the fact that they can still kind of call Golden State their home team just because they're kind of right across the bay. They, they, I don't think that they view that as much of a loss. But I view that as a loss. But they, but you also have the, got the Raiders that are gone. Yeah. The Athletics are gone. Those are two pretty much, I would say, storied franchises. You think of who's played for the Athletics offhand. Catfish Hunter, Dennis Eckersley, Reggie Jackson – all started their career with the athletics and I'm missing a bunch, but I mean, they've got, they've won world series titles in that city. They went back to back for a couple of times when Eckersley, Eckersley played and, you know, Jackson won a title there, but at the end of the day, this is a immense failure for Oak, the city of Oakland. Now, the second point I'm going to say is this with Oakland, the, with the athletics, I'll, I'll refer to athletics, with the athletics making the move to Las Vegas, they need to change how they have done their payroll, their scouting, their recruiting. They got to change all that. Well, if I'm being honest, if I'm John Fisher, owner of the athletics, I, wh- why would you put money into a team right now that the, the city isn't supporting? They're, no, they're, I agree with you on that. I don't disagree. Forty-six million dollar payroll. That's like that, that's barely that's not very much more than Garrett Cole, one player of the Yankees, is getting paid this year. Sean, I don't disagree about that. With him and with with them in Oakland, I, it makes total sense for them to just kind of keep their money and and do what they got to do, right? Yeah, save but your I'm money saying, for the uh, for for the relocation. Why invest in a team right now that that your city's not going to support, that fans aren't going to come to because the city's not supporting to it? Because the stadium is a hazard for people to go to. And because, honestly, even if they were to invest, the on-field product this year wasn't going to be great. Um, no, I'm not disputing that at all. The situation going on in Oakland where you've got – I mean, you have a you have AAA teams. Most AAA teams are outdrawing them in attendance, game in and game out this year. Sean, I'm not disputing any yeah. of that. I'm saying when he makes the move, he's going to have to – They've they're going to have to put a significant amount – of financial resources into getting better players because forever literally you know you've got the coco crisp teams of the world where they they had a good season they maybe went you know to the second round of the playoffs whatever it is they made the wild card whatever what i'm saying is they're now becoming a major market i would say las vegas is becoming a very major market they're opening up they've got football there they've got hockey there they've got they're going to have baseball there they're becoming a major market, um, period. Uh, one thing that this is also going to do, I think, is going to increase enrollment at UNLV, and we'll see what happens there. That'll be exciting to see that program, you know, for, for basketball and such come back potentially. But neither here nor there, they're going to have to invest serious money into improving the on-field product. I'm sure the stadium is going to be great. Sure, the stadium is going to be great. But they're going to have to improve that and get that going 
once they make it out there to Las Vegas. I don't think that's going to be an issue. They, they are incredible at, at acquiring talent and developing talent. If the A's had kept their lineup that they have had over that over the past, uh, I think it's seven years, over the past seven years, if the A's had kept the lineup that, that the ideal lineup of all the, their players, this is what their lineup would have been. Right field, Starling Marte. Second base, Marcus Simeon. Third base, Matt Chapman. First base, Matt Olson. Catcher, Sean Murphy. DH, Max Muncy. Left field, Mark Canna. Shortstop, Joey Wendell. And center field, Trace Thompson. That does not even include uh, having keeping um, uh, uh, Guy the Yankees now. Um, Montas. Frankie Montas. And, uh, they would have. They would have kept Sonny Gray. I think. And they would have kept too. Sonny Gray too. That team would be a perennial tenant contender. That team would be possibly playing for the World Series. They can. That those are all homegrown guys, with the exception of Starling Marte, who who came up with the the Pittsburgh Pirates, who we'll get to in a minute. But those are that, that's homegrown talent. They they know how to they they know how to locate people. They know how to develop people. I don't think that they're going to have an issue putting in, uh, putting, uh, putting together a quality team over the course of a couple of years if they just invest and don't try to deal everybody off in order to, to, to make a, a quick buck. I, I think they're doing that now because that they realize that, you know, we're not going to get supported. We, we need to cut costs. And, you know, we got a plan for, for the future and for a relocation. That's why they're dealing, they've been dealing everybody off in the past few years. I mean, you saw the A's back 10, 15 years ago. They were always nearer at the top of the AL West. I mean, in the early 2000s, they were competing. But even for- then, they were still being cheap. They were, they were still a very cheap franchise. You think of all the players that they could have maintained. They could have kept Giambi. They could have mm-hmm. kept Damon. You know, they lost out a lot of players that, again, that's the mentality the A's have been under, you know, current and previous ownership. They've been very cheap. And I, and I mean that in the most endearing way possible. You but know, they won with it. <clears throat> they've won with it. I'm not discounting that, but they're going into a major market. They need to do that. They're going in. I'm considering Las Vegas a major market market compared to what everybody else says. Las Vegas is now becoming a major market. We've seen a significant amount of, relocation from additional franchises, namely the Raiders. They've got a hockey team there. And even the NBA does their summer league there. They're becoming a major market where you're going to have all four major sports franchises in that, in that, um, in that city, but they're going to have to do it. They've got to make a change in order for this to be successful. I I agree with you there. I do agree with you there because you have to wonder also because they're going to need to draw attention to themselves in Las Vegas because Las Vegas is going is, is a city. You, you, you got to some a little bit question whether or not Vegas can support them because you're going from a city who five years ago did not have any professional sports franchises. Now they had they're going to have three. Um, they got lucky with the with the Golden Knights because they came out right out of the bat and winning like being, you know, the top team in the NHL. The Raiders already had a, you know, a pretty expansive fan base. Now they are going to have to, Las Vegas is going to have to prove that they can support a third 
team and they are going to have to do their part to draw attention in Las Vegas. I think that they're counting a lot on tourism, but you have to think a lot of people that are going to Vegas are not going for sporting events. Yes, that they might attend the game here or there, but they're not making Las Vegas a sports trip destination. One other thing that I want to touch on before we kind of jump off of this topic is it's really interesting to see this is essentially it's expanding the geographical landscape of Major League Baseball. You know, there, there hasn't been a ton of teams out really there in the Midwest. Sure, Kansas City, sure, Minnesota, you know, and if you well, want to. It's been a dead zone, really, with the exception of the Colorado Rockies. It's been a dead zone from uh, moving from Kansas City until California. Mm-hmm. Um, when you but, think about it, it would be, I mean, you, you go down south, you have Texas and Arizona, but in that central and northern, you know, Midwest region, once you get past Kansas City, there's nothing until you get out to the, the Pacific coast. And this brings me to the final thing we're gonna st- I'm going to say, and then we're going to take a break, is with this change, I think it makes the idea that it's been rumored, hasn't been confirmed, that the Salt Lake City, uh, Utah, is going to be getting an expansion team. That adds to this, and it makes it a little bit more exciting. They, they have formed a exploratory group. They have not announced any bids or anything like that. I don't think that they will end up with that. I um, think they'll end up getting it because I think there's going to be a need. Rob Manfred's been very vocal about adding additional expansion franchises. I think okay. this is what this one's going to work. Manfred wants to. Man, they, he, he's, been, he's expressed that they want to add two teams in the major leagues. I think Nashville's a lock for one. Um, I would agree with that. Nashville needs a team. I think Nashville's a lock for one of them. You got to see what happens with the Tampa Bay Stadium situation because once once Vegas gets uh, once uh, Oakland Vegas situation gets figured out, and uh, Tampa Bay is going to be the one where the spotlight's on. They're going to be on the hot seat, or they're going to be forced to relocate. Also, but I because Manfred has already said that they got to figure out Oakland and they got to figure out Tampa Bay before uh, they pursue any expansion. But once the expansion comes, Nashville set. I think Nashville has got to have a team, and I think they will. Um, but then I think it's a toss-up I, I, between Charlotte. Uh, I think they're definitely in the running for it. Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like you said, Salt Lake City. I think they're in the running for it. Portland. That that uh, city has been tossed around. Will it be too small of a market? I tend to think so. I think Portland might be too small of a market, and I don't think there's the baseball appeal. In, in I don't think there is. I don't. I don't um, think there's the. But that the name appeal. has been tossed around, um, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, but I think Na- Nashville's a definite. Um, and yes, like you said, Salt Lake City. But I have heard some things about Salt Lake City that it may not be as serious as it sounds on the front right now. But I mean, with that, they've got. They've, they've got stuff lined up. I think this is a, a positive conversation for baseball to have um, and, and try to appeal to different fan bases. When we look at it really at the end of the day, Oakland's a very old city, you know, in terms of um, it's just tired. That's the way I'll put it. It's a very tired city. There's not a lot. Of, you've seen a lot of changes negatively. Um more than more so than positively on that area. So uh, we're excited to see how Las Vegas progresses with the athletics coming to town. Um, Sean, we're going to take a little bit of a break here, but we will be back 
We're going to talk a little bit more about baseball. Pirates, Tampa Bay Rays, are they for real? Find out. We'll be back in a little bit here on the Stadium Sports Show. All right. Thanks for sticking with us. Stadium Sports Show here. Sean, we're going to talk about more baseball. It's been a very surprising start to the Major League Baseball season. Namely, the Pirates, who we had talked about really scraping the bottom of the, the National League East. And, excuse me, it's National League Central. Even though they're on the East Coast, it doesn't make sense. I guess they're more central. It's like the Cowboys being but, in the NFC East, you know. That's true. That's true. You know, so the Pirates, they've been a very surprising group. Currently racing atop to that division. Been really successful. They got the best record, leaving the National League at this point. And then the same thing with the Tampa Bay Rays. For a team that was not projected to do, they're projected to make the playoffs. Let's be real here. They were in contention. Didn't really do a lot last year. Didn't really make uh, a ton of additions to their team, and they're running away right now with the National League, or the American League East. So, Sean, do you think these are these are just hot starts, or do you think both teams are for real? Well, first I want to talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pirates, I don't know how they're doing this, because as we discussed earlier, this team is a bunch of nobodies. They've had they have O'Neill Cruz and they have Andrew McCutcheon. O'Neill Cruz is on the disabled list for indefinitely. With uh and Andrew McCutcheon is long past his prime. And then they got nobody else. And they they keep winning. And the thing is, is that they're winning. But they're not getting lucky. They rank seventh in Major League Baseball in FIP. And they rank um, in the top five in batting average on balls in play. They, they're hitting the ball hard. They're hitting the ball on the ground. They're not putting the ball in the air and it's just happening to get out. They are... All the metrics are suggesting that they are for real. And I believe it. I, I think that this team has it for somehow, whoever is, is on this team, they, they've got it going on. And I, and I, I think that, that they are 100% um, behind that 17 and nine record that they have right now. They've actually improved upon their record, Sean. Um, they're actually eighteen and eight. Just to kind of note note that they they uh, won last night, so they've they've expanded on to that, and they they uh, beat the Dodgers last night, six to two. Um, but they now they start a uh, they start a series with the Nationals to end the month of April. And they'll have that uh, third that, yeah, they have a, they've got a series with the Nationals 
False start today was rained out, but they'll finish that up. They got a doubleheader tomorrow, and uh, they'll finish up from there. But, you know, I'm I'm still a little skeptical with the Pirates, and this is why. The sad, the, I'm not disputing any of the statistics you just said, but you look at it, right? You've got Andrew McCutcheon leading the team with home runs. It was five on the season. Um, Brian Reynolds is currently leading the team in batting average at 301. Now he's been a he's been a mainstay there for a little bit. His, his uh, career stats overall have been pretty good. He, Brian Reynolds also has five home runs this season, 20 RBIs. He's been he's playing well, but outside of that, the loss of O'Neill Cruz really hurts them. I don't know if they can sustain the same level of play. Um, now, they've got Carlos Santana, you know, a little bit older than uh, what you would want to see from a, from a first baseman, but he was very successful when he was with the Cleveland Indians. Um, but aside from that, I, uh, I, I don't know if they're able to maintain this. That's 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 my thing. They don't seem to pass the eye test as of right now. But outside of Milwaukee, the division's been pretty lackadaisical. We don't know what's going on in the West. The West has been just it's a it's really it's really been a fight out there. I mean, you've got four teams that are within two and a half games of each other in the West division and then NL East Atlanta seems to be the ones kind of running away with it. And then the Mets are there, but outside of those two teams until Bryce Harper gets back, we'll wait and see Philly's not really been a threat, but you know, really in the central it's Pittsburgh, Milwaukee. It's a, it's a two man race right now in that division. And it, I wouldn't shock me if this hot start eventually carries Pittsburgh to a wild card um, spot. So I, I'm not saying they're going to compete for a championship or anything like that, but maybe they can make a wild card. Yeah, no, so I, I'm not saying that, that they are, you know, a potential, you know, world series contender or anything like that, but I think that they are a legitimately good team. I mean, like I said, all the, the, the stats are pointing to the fact that uh, all the, the luck based stats are in their favor. I mean, all of the, you can see that like their their expected weighted on base average is fourth in the major leagues. They're 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 underperforming all of, all most of if not all of their expected statistics. Um, I, so I I see them. Will they regress to the mean a little bit? I think so, but I I think that they're not going to. Uh, regress quite as much as you would expect um, because they they do seem to be underperforming in a lot of, of their metrics based on um, some of the expected stats. Um, I, I, you know, I did want to bring up, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about the other divisions. The, the NL East has been a little disappointing, not going to lie. Uh, you know, we go, went into this year thinking that the NL East was going to be um, – you know, this juggernaut, and it's been a bit disappointing. I mean, the, the Atlanta Braves are seeming to run away with it. 
Philly's going to get better. Philly started out the season slow last year. They're without Bryce Harper. They're going to continue to get better, especially when Harper comes back. Um, But the Mets have been a little bit of a disappointment, and you can't pin that all on Edwin Diaz being injured. Um, because you know, you can't hit a well, he's a great closer, but a great closer does not hurt you that much. Um, they haven't been bad, but they haven't particularly been great. They're 15 and 11, 577 winning percentage. Um, so it, and then you got the Miami Marlins in third place, which are you know, a 500 team, but you know, that they're not going to get much better than that. They've they're their perpetual sellers trade deadline. They 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 never really seem to care too much about making the playoffs, to be honest with you. And then you got the Nationals who are a dumpster fire. Um so that that division has been a little bit of a disappointment. The NL West has been has been not overly good, but it has been overly competitive. I mean the mm-hmm. Arizona has seemingly come out of nowhere. Uh they they've been very good. Um they have a, a, some great you know young rising stars coming up and Corbin Carroll um, you got Tim LaCastro, uh, shout out to the central New York guy, um, from, uh, from nearby Auburn high school, uh, who's playing, been playing pretty well with them right now. He's definitely benefited from the, uh, expanded bases being a, a, a speedster and then base stealer that he is. And that, that, that division is going to be very competitive. Um, but yeah, looking at the NL central, Milwaukee always seems to find a way to mess things up. And what did I say about the Cubbies at the beginning of the year? What did I say about the Cubbies? I said that they were going to win the NL Central. They are right now 14 and 10, three games out of the division. Mm-hmm. And then you said the St. Louis Cardinals. Who's sitting in the basement, Robert? St. Louis is. St. Louis. St. Louis. To be fair, they're not too terribly behind, you know. Uh, and compared to a couple of the other teams. But um, it'll be interesting to see how that rest of the National League, you know, turns out. But one thing I do want to say is, Sean, let's flip over to the American League. Let's take a look and see what's going on with the Tampa Bay Rays. They're 21-5. and five. They, and not to, not to speak too much of another team and get off topic, but you look at the Baltimore Orioles. They're 17 and eight. They're second in that, in that division. And they've got the second best record in the American league. But we, we let's talk about the Tampa Bay Rays. I digress. I, I have some things to say about the Baltimore Orioles. So we'll, 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 we'll wait. leave that for a minute. The Tampa Bay Rays. I don't get it. How, how are they good? How are they so good? I think this is the biggest thing, and this is going to be a really hot take. It's Randy Arozarena. He's the only person that is keeping this team alive. Of the team leaders in the major offensive categories, he is leading the team with a 3.23 batting average. He has five home runs, which is it, which is. And a tie, a three-way tie for third. Three-way tie on the team. He's the third guy on the team that has five home runs. Two people are ahead of him. That's Brandon Lau, who's got seven home runs. 
And Yandy Diaz also has seven home runs. I digress. Randy Rosarena also has 24 RBIs in the year and has 31 hits. It's him and Yandy Diaz that own every single major offensive category for the team. They've hit 51 home runs this year as a team. They, their run differential this season is plus 96. That's more than double the next team in baseball and run differential. Well, excuse me, almost more than double. I just saw it. The uh, Texas Rangers actually have a run differential of plus 54, but they're almost, they, they're almost doubling it. I mean, it's they're doing it with offense, which is uncharacteristic of the Rays, I want to say, from previous seasons. Most of the time they've had some really solid pitching, but they're doing this all with offense. Yeah, I mean, as we discussed in the beginning of the year, this is a team that we knew was going to pitch well. Um, the the question was going to be if they could score runs. And just remember that they are doing this with so far this season without Tyler Glasnow, who's been on the, the disabled list. Well, I want to tell you this. Shane McClanahan and Drew Rasmussen are absolutely dominant. So absolutely this team that dominant. we thought was going to be this dominant pitching team is doing all of this without their number one pitcher in Tyler Glasnow. This team that we thought was going to struggle for runs has a weighted runs created plus of 146. That means that they are creating 46% more runs than the average major league team. You know who's the second highest? Who? The Chicago Cubs with a 119. Sean, the Tampa Bay Rays have a 9.3 offensive wins above replacement. The next the next highest the next highest is at 5 the Atlanta Braves. They they are literally nearly doubling their other teams in offensive performance. It is absolutely insane. John, so speaking of offense, right? Of five of the five players, they have five players who have played at least 19 games or more that are hitting over 300. Wander Franco is hitting 304. Rosa Reina, as I said, is hitting 323. Yandy Diaz is hitting 315. Um, Josh Lowe is hitting an absolute destructive 348. And then their leader. In you know batting average in at least again the 19 games played, he's only played 19 games. He is hitting 354. Now, obviously, Rosarena is leading the team in, in batting average because he's played the full 25 games. You know, but you've got uh, it's unfathomable to pitch to a lineup that has five guys hitting over 300. I, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I just don't. Their team has an OPS of their team has an OPS of 868. That's 70 over 70 points higher 
than the next highest team. That that if that team were a player, if that team stat line were a player, it would be the MVP. I mean, it's it's incredible, Robert. I, I, what, I don't know what? how they do this year in and year out with such a low payroll. I mean, and, and not to say that they do this year in and year out, but they're always a strong team. They're they're always competing often for the World Series. I, it's it, for for such a, a small market team that that tends to deal away its big stars. I mean, think about it. They got rid of Blake Snell. I, I mean, think about that that, that pitching that, that pitching rotation. If they still have Blake Snell, Sean, I'm looking at their slugging percentages right now. Like seventy percent of their team is hitting. It has a slugging percentage in the five hundreds. They have a team slugging or percentage more, or higher. Team slugging percentage of five sixteen. I don't know how. I don't. I. I genuinely have no idea how you can pitch to a team that is like this. And it's not like they're making a lot of errors in the field, anyways. They. they I mean, they're very fundamentally sound. Um, we'll see. They've played a little bit of a weaker schedule than what has been projected. So maybe there's a part of that that plays into this. But right now. They've they are far and away leading the league in they've got the league leading record. And they're probably gonna hold on to it for a little bit. Because if you look at their upcoming schedule, Sean, it it, it it it's honestly not gonna get too much tougher for them. Um they, they're playing the twins. Excuse me, they're not playing the Twins right now. That's the Royals that are playing the Twins. They play the White Sox tonight. Sorry, wrong central team. Um, so they have that series with the White Sox. And then just kick off the month of May. Ironically enough, we're going to see them play the Pirates. So we're going to have, at this point, the two league-leading uh, teams in record are going to play each other and then and then things start to kind of get a little bit more interesting for the Tampa Bay Rays but we'll see it we'll wait and see we got through April I don't think it's going to change too much but here we go into May well it is slight uh slight digression if you want to uh want to take my advice on the on the pirates and uh and believe that, and believe in the pirates, and believe that they are for real. On uh, Fanduel, they're uh, plus seven hundred to win win the central. You can make a make a couple bucks on that. Just just throwing that out there to to all of our uh, to our betting audience out there for for entertainment purposes only. Uh, they uh, you you uh, you may be able to uh, to cash out a little bit on there. But that was that's just my my little. Little pro tip. I won't I won't disclose how successful I've been um in my picks, but you know, just throwing that out there. Plus seven hundred is uh, is not not too shabby for a for a team that's playing so well. So get get on get in on that action early if you need to, but that's uh that's a pretty interesting one. But anyways, we'll digress from that. Sean will leave baseball. We'll go back to football. 
Yeah, there's a lot of games left to play. So, you know, we'll definitely be talking about this more and uh, definitely things are going to be changing in the next uh, next couple weeks and months. Mm-hmm. So we will, we will definitely revisit this topic. But let's end the show the way we started the show. So, Sean, we were trying to figure out what we want to talk about today. One thing that you would put out there that I thought was really interesting, um, and I hope you don't steal my picks, was the top four you know, Mount Rushmore of NFL bad picks, bad draft picks. There have been, so, been a couple of them, more than a couple. There, there's been a significant amount. So, Sean, I don't know if you – it was your idea, so I'll let you start things off. Well, my first pick, um, I think the the natural number one answer is going to be Ryan Leaf. I, I don't think that much needs to be spoken about him. He was the number two overall pick in 1998. Um, he threw 15 interceptions on 245 pass attempts with just one touchdown uh, in his two years with the Chargers. Um, he went on to play for the Cowboys through a total of 36 interceptions and 14 touchdowns. That's That's not a good ratio. That is not a good ratio. Um, and then kind of faded out of the league. So I think anybody who, you know, is familiar with football, they know that Ryan Leaf is um, not, it was, it's not, it did not exactly pan out for, uh, to be fully kind. So that is my number one pick. Over to me. Over to you. Oh my God. So over to, what I'm going to say is there might be people that, that don't think about this as being a bad draft pick because it, it semi-worked out for the team. But the drama, so much drama. So much so that this pick was projected. Skip Bayless had gone on the record so many times saying that any team that didn't pick him was missing out on a perennial superstar. So my number two bad draft pick, well, my number one pick, but the number two, I guess, overall pick is Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel was a horrible draft pick, horrible pick. Even at the time, he didn't have the talent, just flat out caused a lot of drama and issues for the Browns organization. Um, even when he was in college at Texas A&M, he was very flashy, played with Mike Evans, you know, but uh, when you have a wide receiver of that caliber, I'm sure anybody can throw him the ball and he's going to go find it. So without really providing any real stats behind it, number two, or well, I guess not the number one pick on the bad draft pick Mount Rushmore for me is Johnny Manziel. Yeah, I think Manziel was just, you know, your classic quarterback that didn't transition well to college. He's also a head case, so that was that's part of it, too. But for my number one pick, my number two pick, I'm going to go with another quarterback. Um, one I think that we can all agree on was a bit of a bust was Jamarcus Russell. Uh, drafted first overall in 2007 by the Oakland Raiders. His career stats in 25 starts was a 52% completion percentage, 18 touchdowns, 23 interceptions, 25 fumbles. That's one fumble per game. And a whopping 65.2 QB rating. 
Um, and that was to the Oakland Raiders, who we all know are now the Vegas Raiders, mm-hmm. uh, based on our topic from from earlier about baseball. Um, but yeah, so Jamarcus Russell, not good. Not not a good pick. No, not a good pick. But this one might might be very similar and rival that pick. Um, my number two pick on the bad NFL draft pick, Mount Rushmore, is this one's pretty recent. It's Josh Rosen. Hmm, he went number ten. He, he went number ten overall by the Cardinals in 2018. Um, he went three and ten in 13 starts in his first season as a pro. He threw 11 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. But before he could even start his second season, and this is what to me makes it very bad, is the Cardinals traded a first, third, and fifth round pick to get him the previous year. But then they used their top pick in the 2019 draft to take Kyler Murray as their franchise quarterback. Rosen was then traded to Miami that same night, uh, the very next night after, you know, uh, Murray was drafted. And since then, has just played three games. So Josh Rosen is my number two. Interesting. Good pick there. My number three, uh, I got to go with Matt Leiner, quarterback from USC, 2006 NFL draft, number two overall to the Arizona Cardinals, Heisman Trophy winner, um, you know, widely considered best uh, best player in the in all of college football and in that really, you know, couple year era. Um, he started 17 games, um, ended up losing the job to Derek uh, Anderson. And was later released in 2010. Um, he uh, he definitely did not pan out. Um, didn't even really play enough games to really accumulate any stats of of note. So um, yeah, I think that that was just kind of one that shined in college and then went to the NFL and uh, basically everybody kind of forgot about him. So going with Josh Rosen on uh, going with uh, not uh, said your pick. Going with uh, Matt Leiner on that one. My number three pick is going to be Trent Richardson. You remember him? Absolute I just remember stud. Trent Richardson, yeah. He, he Absolute, won the Heisman, didn't he? I believe he did, yes. Absolute stud at Alabama, right? Number yeah. three overall pick by the Browns in 2012. Had a ton of promise. What happened? He could barely get through the line of scrimmage. On his carry, on his carries, um, and he looked good as a rookie, but uh, his next couple seasons, he just didn't have it. He got traded when he went to the Colts. They gave up a first round pick for him, tried to revive the running game, and he fell flat on his face. Um, but that that one was a major disappointment. Trent Richardson is my third uh, on that Mount Rushmore of bad draft picks. Yeah, and I know Back how bad you. he was. Uh, just uh, I had him on my fantasy team uh, his first year, so that mm-hmm. uh, it's a touchy topic for me. Well, with my number four pick, I'm going to take one, I'll take a little bit of a different angle on this, and I'm going to go with the 113th overall pick of the 2010 draft. It's in the fourth round. When the New England Patriots signed Aaron Hernandez, not that is a, 
That's well, that's actually a really good pick. Because, you know, was he a bust? Not really. Fourth-round pick. I mean, he did okay when he was playing. But, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, how could you have a worse draft? How could you have a worse draft pick than that? It's true. How could you that's, have a worse draft pick than a guy that goes on and murders his friend and eventually goes to jail? And then ends up, unfortunately, taking his own life. But um that that's probably the worst case scenario you can get from a uh from drafting a player so that's why i'm going to take a little bit of a different angle on that one and draft uh aaron hernandez my fourth pick it's a great it's a really good pick to kind of leave it all out there sean but um so i can't match the same quality i definitely think you won this draft um my last one and this one, I, I'm hurt by this because he, he wasn't a popular pick. He was actually a second-round pick. But I just want to say the promise of this individual was so much, and we got so little from him. My last one to round it out is going to be Christian Hackenberg mm. of the New York Jets. He was a number 51 overall, was a Penn State product, had immense talent, absolute immense talent in Penn State, was arguably one of the, the top quarterbacks in the draft. Um, he just didn't turn out that way. He, 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 he just didn't have it. He was a journeyman in the Jets, you know, went to another team, and um, he just never saw the field. And uh, – it, it, it was just a bad draft pick. I'm sure if they could have it all over again, they would have done something very, very different. So, yeah, well, that was 10 years ago. <sighs> That's 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I guess I, we're getting old. We're getting old. That acceptable being, you know, 10 years ago. So. We're getting very old, Sean. We are getting old. Yeah. Yeah. We are. We're, we're getting old. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, leave you with that. Uh, that. That was, I can't believe it was 10 years ago. But anyways, that's the Stadium Sports Show. We'll see you next week. We'll try to do again better the next time. For Robert Jeffrey, co-host Sean Beanie. Thank Rest you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Peace to the Oakland Athletics. It was a good run. It was a good run. Rest in peace. Pour one out for Oakland. Pour one out for Oakland. We gone.